right, Sally here. Just a quick one, just a quick one. If you like this really sweary podcast by Kalechi, sorry, Kalechi, do remember to rate and review Say Your Mind on Apple Podcasts, okay? Now for the very urban intro music. <laughs> it's the Ben's Brunani woman, this baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this. Baby, sit down, sit down, receive this realness. Make sure your cup's ready for the tea, we are go sip it, yo. Hard time scrolling for your long shorts. You might learn something you never know. Collect you find, and she's one of a kind. Don't say you mind, say you mind. It could all be so simple, but you'd rather make it hard. The championship is a battle. And you will just smash up your car. There is no rivalry. And Red Bull doesn't give you wings. Because he's got seven world titles more than you. And that's pretty hard to beat. No matter how you think you drove Mercedes upgrades let you know It ain't working It ain't working And when you thought you got away Bottas came to make you stay This is crazy This is crazy Well, well Well, what do we have here? Oh, it looks like another episode of SYM with who? Me, Kalechi, in a blood clot place to be. Yes, that's SYM, also known as Say Your Mind, officially but unofficially known as Suck Your Mum. Wow, wow, wow. I'm filled with the energy. I'm filled with the vibes. I'm filled with the pizzazz. Why? Why? Because yet again, we've come through. We didn't quite come through, quote unquote, victorious, but we did what needed to be done. If you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, well, I just finished watching the Hungarian Grand Prix, so I'm in my feelings, but we'll get to that later. We'll talk about that later, but I really had to put that song in there to let you know that sometimes you energy, you're like, you energy drink dons, sometimes your wings numb it, okay? Okay then, and when you do clownery, what happens? The clown comes back to bite. Right. That rhymed. Anyway, welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of SYM. I'm fully glad to be here. Feeling energetic today. I went for a run, um, just doing bits. Um, Yeah, I had a massage the other day with um, Pauline uh, at Pendulum Massage, and you know how much I love her. So thank you to the mysterious person. Um, This time, I don't know who they are, who got me a 30-minute session with Pauline. I greatly appreciate it. I greatly appreciate the way that people or the ways in which people pour back into me. It means the absolute world. And thank you for my um, charms to the lovely person that sent me the charms for my Crocs. I know who you are. You know who you are because I've already messaged you. But I wanted to say thank you again. Like fully supporting my Croc addiction, getting me charms to go on them um, go, you know, I just love it. I absolutely love it. And I can't wait to take a picture of them when I put them on my other Crocs. Cause I've got a pair of Crocs that don't actually have charms on them at the moment. 
So I'll pop them onto that. But um, yeah, I hope that you're well as you're listening to this. It's another Monday and I'm fully back up here talking the things, talking the things. Um, yeah, you know what? Let's get straight into the tarot. This week's episode is sponsored by Skillshare and it's also sponsored by ExpressVPN and I'll be bigging them up a little bit later on. But um, yeah, tarot, tarot, tarot. The question I put to spirit this week is what are we what should we be looking at when we're thinking about connections? You know, like people are out and about again. Um, some people maybe during the lockdown um, have changed jobs or left their jobs and they're thinking about where they go next. Some people realise during lockdown that, right, I don't really have friends like that. So how am I going out and connecting with people now that people are out and about again? And for some people, it's like, maybe you're looking at the way that your life is shaping out, your career shaping out, or maybe just general life. And you're like, oh, there are certain people over there that it looks like I could possibly vibe with. How do I make those connections? How do I, you know, network? And I'm somebody that doesn't like networking. I don't know. There's just something very, um, it gives me the ick. I don't like it. Um, but I feel like there are more authentic, really cool ways of going about making connections with people. So I put that question to spirit, like for those who are thinking about like reaching out and making connections with different people right now, or, you know, different organizations or venturing into maybe new romantic situations, things like that, what should they be looking at? And the first card that I saw that came out was from the spiritual seasoning for the soul deck, the Oracle deck. And it says, forget that the word failure even exists, do your thing. And I feel like that's really, really important because a lot of us don't reach out. We don't um, make the connections that we want to make because we're scared of rejection and we're scared of feeling like a failure. Like, oh, I reached out to this person. I was shooting my shot and I got aired. You know, I've come to realise that somebody that doesn't like shooting my shot and doesn't like being aired, that (laughs) sometimes people be shooting their shot and they're getting aired, you know, it is what it is. You shoot your shot and it looks like you missed. But don't, don't think about that really, because you will make all of the shots that are destined for you. You, There's not a shot that's destined for you that you'll miss, you know, as long as you take it. If you don't take it, then yeah, well, you're, you're an idiot then, isn't it? But if you've taken a shot and you've missed it, cool, then that wasn't your shot to have, but you keep taking the shots. And sometimes you come back round and try that shot again and it goes in. So it's just a case of, sometimes it's a case of probability. It's a case of numbers, you know, it's a game of numbers. You keep trying and you keep knocking on all these doors and eventually one of them will open. Um, so it's important to remember that, that even if you reach out to people and they're not giving you the energy back that you're hoping for, also understand that sometimes, like I said in my most recent video on Instagram, if you haven't watched it, go and watch it. Um, People can only meet you as far as they've met themselves, right? So you're reaching out to somebody and you're maybe at a specific stage in your journey of learning and unlearning, but they're at another stage, right? So they might not see the value in what you're bringing at that time, or it might intimidate them. So you've just got to let people be and know that you are worthy regardless. And it's not a failure to have reached out and maybe not seen that reciprocity because in one way or another, all of that stuff's going to come back to you. And you've also got to look at the people who are maybe reaching out to you and the energy that you're generating there. That's not to say that you have to say yes to everybody because you're waiting for somebody else to say yes to you. But really thinking about like, how, how am I behaving? Am I behaving in the way that I want other people to behave towards me? Right. And just really considering that the next card that came out is the nine of pentacles. And I think that 
this is beautiful. I'm using the modern witch um, tarot deck by Lisa Stirl. I haven't switched decks yet, even though I've got freaking loads. Um, and I like this because you need to remember that you're blessed. You like you're blessed abundantly because we've got an old um, older woman here who's the central focus of the image. She's standing there. She's got carrots in her was it a left hand? And there's a little bird sitting on her hat, her sun hat. And she seems to be growing tomatoes. So, and then there's lots of um, coins, nine coins around her, um, also looking like they're growing from the vines as well. So this is reminding you that the time for you to, and there's cabbages on the ground as well, but this is reminding you that the time for your, for you to harvest the things that you've worked on is literally here. So don't become despondent. Like don't lose hope because you're, you feel like, ah, oh, certain connections aren't being made. So then that means that you don't have value. Your ancestors have put value on your name. Like you've got value. You've got value for days, right? And everything grows at the time that it's meant to grow in it. Like a carrot will grow at the pace that a carrot's growing. A tomato will grow at the pace that a carrot's growing, uh, uh, that a tomato's growing. Look at my life. And then you've also got to think about like tomatoes as well. When they're growing on the vine, you've got to help them set all of these things up so they can grow in the best way possible. Also, cabbages are grown at a different pace. They're grown on the ground. There are so many things that you need to consider about levels. It might seem like I'm reaching here, but I'm trying to take you somewhere, right? So different things grow at different levels. So some things that are destined for you have grown elsewhere, but you're going to have to go and meet them where they're at. So you should just be praying that your, your footsteps are ordered to lead you to where those things have already grown. Because if you're standing in the same spot going, but where is my abundance? But your abundance is across the street you need to cross the street, right? So this is what it feels like in terms of those connections, like the connections that you're going on to make going forward are the connections that are going to see you to, you know, into your old age. And sometimes things take a while to grow. Things take a while. Friendships, connections take a while to cultivate, like for them to, you know, to, for them to grow in a, in a manner that's like nutritious, I guess that, that it'll be able to serve you. Let it go, Kalechi. But you get what I mean? Like you've got to consider that these connections won't just happen. You're not going to go to zip from zero to 100. Like you're not going to go from strangers to besties straight away. Trust needs to be built, you know, and people need to know that they can rely on you. So they have to see that consistency from you. You know, they have to, they have to know that you're about what you say that you're about. All of you people that are trying to make new connections, for instance, but you like showing up late to every fucking place, value people's time. It doesn't make sense to me how people can be like, oh, I'm not late for this, but I'm good. I, I'm usually late for that. That means you're telling us right to our faces that I value this more. So I'll be punctual for that, but I will not be punctual for this. So really considering the ways that like you're asking of people's time, you're asking of their life. You, this is another way to consider, for instance, I don't know how I've gone onto a tangent of punctuality, but we know that naturally in life things happen, right? But I'm talking about the people who are consistently late to um, meeting people like this is we no one none of us know how long we've got on this earth you've asked to meet that person's carved out time in their day to meet you and then you've decided that you're going to be what 45 minutes an hour late like that's 45 minutes or an hour of their life and they don't know where that 45 minutes or hour is coming from if, if they're going to if they're going to get more of it like we pray that they do so when you're when you think about punctuality, don't just think about it in terms of, oh, you know, this and that. Think about it like you're getting some, you're getting a moment out of somebody else's life that they do not know how much they have of. And then you're there 
can't organize yourself. You can't, you can't wash your legs in time. You can't put your knickers on in time and you're, and then it's all, then this happened with my Uber and then this happened with the tube. Get yourself the fuck together and honor the people that you're asking to meet by showing up on time. You've got to have the discipline for your blessings um, and the connections that you're trying to make for them to be able to be sustained, right? And then um, I think that's further confirmed by the fact that the strength card is in reverse. All of these things that you think that you can't control inside of you, um, that's one way I'm seeing it, right? All these habits that you think that you can't control about yourself, you've got to learn how to. You've got to learn how to. You've got to have discipline. You want connections that are super powerful, that are going to take you to higher heights, maybe, that means that you need to be disciplined in being able to, to, to handle where you're headed to with these connections. If you're trying to, you know, make these connections because you're trying to mingle in different circles, for you to go and mingle in them different circles, you can't be coming there behaving like a square. Like, you know, go in and behave accordingly and, and show up with respect and, you know, show up with authenticity always, but definitely show up with respect, respecting the space that you're in, respecting the people who have brought you into these spaces that sort of thing. And the other way that I'm seeing this is that strength in reverse, like you've got to believe in your own source. Nobody's going to believe in your source more than you. You've got to believe in your own source. When you're approaching these people, approach them with the vibe of the fact that you are already worth something. Whether they make a connection with you or not, that's not going to devalue you. It's not going to lessen your value in any way. It's not going to lessen your worth, your divinity in any way. Fam, you're letting them get on the ride now before the price goes up. If they're not willing to, that's their loss. But you've got to come with vim. You've got to come with chest when you're approaching certain people and let them know that you're not a small baby boy. You're not a small baby girl. You're not a small baby non-binary. You are not a small pickin out here. Like, because sometimes I think that when people are in an elevated kind of societal um, kind of standing to you, they can't help but to look down on you because they feel like, oh, well, I've done this, I've done this, they haven't done that. So when you're making those connections initially, they're moving to you or they're looking at you through the lens of, oh, they're not on my level. And you have to remind people sometimes, and I'm not saying go and cast them out, but I'm saying you have to remind people sometimes with how you carry on moving after you've maybe shot your shot or whatever. You've got to carry on moving, like you know your value, keep doing your things because you know that, you know what you bring to the table in it. And if they see it, they see it. If they don't, they don't. But the likelihood is when you're moving, like you know what you're about and that you're not out here begging anybody for anything, you'll find that eventually they come round and they have to speak to you with respect. The next card that we've got is the Ace of Cups. Whatever way, whatever path you take to do what you need to do, understand that your cup will run if over. Like you're gonna get your things. Your, your, your blessings are there. So you're just being asked to play around a little bit, play around a little bit, go out there and actually intentionally call forth the people that you want to interact with. Rather than kind of waiting for life to bring these people to you and these opportunities to you, you're being asked right now to try, try a thing, go forward, you know, message the person, hey, do you want to, you know, I know that things are mad with Corona right now, but if you ever wanted to maybe get a Zoom drink, maybe we'll have a tea or whatever, just put it out there and, and see what comes back. Not everyone's going to respond, but just try because you never know. You literally never know. And then we've got the six of wands here. Like you are being celebrated, baby. You are going to be celebrated. You're going to be known as one of the greats. 
And, and I'm, it doesn't have to necessarily be on a worldwide platform, but the contribution that you're making to this world by just breathing in and out and working from your heart space and giving from your heart space authentically with integrity constantly, you are part of the reason why this world is going to be better than it is. You are. And you'll be celebrated. Whether you see that celebration in this physical realm or the next, you are going to be celebrated. For some of you, um, it's literally translating as like, yeah, that fame, that fortune is literally around the corner, like it's here right? So you're going to be celebrated in that way. And all the work that you put in within the field that you're in, it's about to blow in a major way, like it's going to blow. But wholeheartedly for all of us, it's not just about the worldwide acclaim. It's more about knowing that when you go to bed at night, you're proud of the person that you are. And when you're going to bed at night, proud of the person you are, when you approach people, you approach people with the strength of self and the strength of spirit, knowing that what you bring is is priceless and and it's limitless and if they can't see it right now like that's on them you just have to keep moving and doing you because eventually i promise you i promise you hand on heart everybody's gonna fucking see it and then we've got from the wisdom of the oracle deck number 18 to start with it says here serendipity You've stepped into alignment with the greater good when your dreams and the collective dream resonate in exquisite harmony. Now is the time for luck and preparation to meet. Amen. And create miracles that you could never have planned all by yourself. Keep in mind that you are a channel for providence right now as a higher energy uses you as a force on behalf of the whole world. Your fortune becomes everyone's fortune. Everything you bring into being now will leave a wondrous legacy for others in the future. I just fucking said that. Your service to the world is being supported at this time. Expect the unexpected and smile for spirit loves you so very much. That's that six of wands energy. Like I said, like you're being celebrated, whether you realize it or not, you're being celebrated in the spiritual realm. Like all the hard work that you've done to open your heart up to the world, this world that's so chaotic, that's full of pain, that's full of, you know, um, disappointments, all of that stuff. You also recognize that it's full of love. It's full of grace. It's full of miracles. It's full of mercy. Like you realize all of those things as well. Like there's joy, there's peace. There's so much to experience and you're brave enough to open your heart to that. Of course, that's something that the angels are going to celebrate because when your heart open, you make yourself, you know, a perfect channel for more good things to come into the world. And so all the fuckery that happens can't persist for much longer. Um, and so I love that. And then number four, we've got here, it says here, higher power. Bring me a higher love. Woo! Sing it. Bring me a higher love. Anyway, Higher power, it says here, this card reminds you that you are more than a person trying to get ahead and make things happen for yourself and others. You have an immortal soul and are gifted with a human life through which a higher power can express itself. At this time, you need to be conscious of your connection to spirit and foster it through prayer and meditation. Ask, what is the highest good for all? How can I serve? Then get out of your own way and trust that there is a plan for your life more wondrous than you can ever know. You are always protected and divinely directed. What did I say? Spirits just spiriting today. What? What? There you go. 
I pray that anyone who's listening to this right now, may your steps, every single step you take from today onwards be divinely ordered, be divinely directed. May you only step into spaces that are safe for you, where you can thrive, where you can be celebrated, where you will know abundance, where you will know support, where you will know love, where you will know joy. That's where you're headed into and you'll continue just walking that path, like claim it for yourself, right? And this is what this card is saying, that Right now, if you're truly working from that heart space and you're noticing when it's your insecurities and your ego speaking and you can differentiate, you'll be able to know when you're going towards real connections. And if you're going towards real connections, you can't make a bad choice. There's no bad decisions. Like, even if you get there and you're like, rah, ooh, I don't know, you know, I thought that this person was going to be this way and actually they've turned out to be that way. That's fine too, because you can always be like, ooh, deuces and bounce. But there was a lesson that you you clearly needed to learn there. And then you'll know to choose better going forward. But yeah, really look at your um, motivations for wanting to connect with certain people. Is it because you feel like it's going to complete you? Because the thing is, you're already complete. And if you go into these situations, if you go out and reach out to make these connections, because you believe you're incomplete, that's all that's going to be reflected back to you because people sense that shit right? Go into there knowing that you're complete. No, go into there knowing that you're divine, that you're blessed, and that you bring a lot of value to anything and, um, you know, and anyone that you interact with. Like, trusting yourself for that very reason. But yeah, that's that for the tarot. Um, For those who are looking for a one-to-one tarot reading, remember that my time is very limited, and the place that I announce my tarot um, slots, my one-to-one tarot slots, um, uh, is Patreon. I announced it on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Kelechi Okafor. And, um, that's where I announce it first. So if you get yourself on there, you'll be able to know when I'll be available. And even if you can't get a reading with me straight away, you can at least watch the, um, extra pick up our readings as well, because I really believe in, um, you know, people, using their own power to, um, and their intuition to guide themselves. So as much as, you know, you listen to these readings every way and you're like, oh, that, um, every week and you're like, oh, that resonates with me. Use the pick up our readings to really test your intuition and train your intuition and start picking for yourself. So you can jump onto patreon.com forward slash Kelechi Okafor. Um, and remember you can send your letters to SYM, at kelechiokafor.com. That's your letters and your voice notes as well. Um, But yeah, that's that for the tarot. So I'll just go ahead and big up Skillshare before we jump into Share Your Magnificence. Big up this week's show sponsor, like I said, who are Skillshare. And, you know, we love it here. We freaking love it here because it's the same way that I create this podcast and do what I'm doing and creating various things like Sally and HR and all of them things there. It's just a reminder that all of us as humans are capable of creating something, right? So whether you last picked up a paintbrush yesterday or when you were in primary school, um, either way, you can explore your creativity and in whatever it might be um, and get inspired. So Skillshare is an online learning community that's off, that offers membership with meaning and with so much to explore, real projects to create and the support of fellow creatives, Skillshare empowers you um, to accomplish real growth. They have um, numerous kind of classes that you can look into. I've mentioned quite a few of them to you before. 
but I know that there's um, a class called the Ultimate Self-Care Playbook to discover and nurture your centered self with Jonathan Van Ness. That looks interesting. You've also got um, Finding Fulfillment, Using Pivots to Power Your Creative Career with Emma Gannon. That, that would be interesting because like I was just talking there about failure and feeling neglected and things like that. Even when you feel like you've been rejected, um, it's always a redirection back to self, right? So it's learning how to maybe use that energy in a more conducive way. So whether you're a dabbler or a pro, a hobbyist or a master, you're creative. So discover what you can make with classes for every skill level. Experience real improvement with hands-on projects and classes designed for real life. Skillshare is also incredibly affordable and um, works out better than um, when you compare it to pricey in-person classes and workshops. So yeah, explore your creativity at skillshare.com forward slash straws. That's skillshare, S-K-I-L-L-S-H-A-R-E.com forward slash straws and get one month free trial um, of premium membership. That's one month of a premium membership at skillshare.com forward slash straws. So let's get to share your magnificence. So this week for Share Your Magnificence, I've got an interview for you. Um, and it's a cute interview where I'm speaking with Pamela Akuli, who um, um, she's a, she, she makes children's books, right? So she self-publishes, she makes children's books. Um, she's uh, the organisation's known as Just Like Me, Picture Books. And this is a perfect example of what I was just talking to you about in the tarot. Pamela emailed me. She sent me an email and she was just like, oh, you know, I wanted to reach out because I've, I've been making these children's books and I want to take it, you know, further. And, you know, I, I just thought that that was great. But the thing is she emailed me in like May and I didn't respond. That was May. I didn't end up responding until the end of June. And so it, I saw the email. When I see an email that I'm like, oh, that catches my eye and I and I want to explore that further, I'll kind of skim read it and then I'll put it back on um, onto unread. I don't even bother flagging it, really. I just put it back to unread because if I've read it, I'll just leave it as read, right? And so it was there, but I was so busy with other things, but I knew that I wanted to chat with Pam about what she had been doing. So I left it there. And then finally, when things calmed down, I was just like, you know what? Let me go back through the emails that I've put back onto unread and, and see if I can get back to people who are here. And so I hollered at Pam and we initially, we had like a Zoom chat because she was like, you know, I would really love to connect with you. So we had a Zoom chat. And after that Zoom chat, I was just like, nah, I need to get Pam onto the podcast to talk about these books because how the fuck do we not have children's books that are focused on um, celebrating and helping and supporting um, children who um, are on the autism spectrum? Like, why don't we have that? Why don't we have enough books that are supporting um, neurodiverse children? And I'm talking about neuro neurodiverse non-white children, because for not uh, for white children, you've got everything. Like, you've even got the TV show Atypical. You've got you've got something right. So when it comes to autism, you understand it for white people, but outside of white people where is the understanding? And so Pam had to kind of go and do the research herself because her son um, was, um, you know, is autistic and she had to go and do the research herself. And that's what got her to start creating these books. So the books that, uh, the book that we ended up talking about was Buster Finds His Beat. And um, yeah, I just really want you to enjoy it. But it was just a perfect example. Like I was saying, like, don't worry if people don't get back to you straight away. Sometimes it takes a while, like people's lives (laughs) are really up in the air right now. But 
you know, if, you know, it's meant to be and you've got that sort of serendipity working for you, trust that you'll, you'll hear something. And if you don't, some, another opportunity is going to be available, but I'm glad I got um, to chat with Pam and yeah, go listen now. Hi, hi, Pamela. Hi, Kalechi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, really good. Really excited to be speaking to you today. Yes, I'm very, very much um, <laughs> excited to be speaking with you. And I just wanted to say a massive well done. And what a queen you are for Aww. creating such um, wonderful, wonderful books and um, really b- highlighting to us the things that we don't see, especially when it comes to autism and, you know, black and biracial children and things like that, just things that um, that we miss. And um, I just think it's wonderful that you're, filling some you know you're filling in um dots um or connecting dots that we didn't realize um, mm-hmm. or general mainstream society seems to actively ignore that needs to be connected so um the book i'm currently looking at is buster finds his beat yes. and it says here an autism friendly story that encourages empathy understanding and kindness so before we even get into the story of buster mm-hmm. What led you to wanting to create like Just Like Me picture books? What led you into creating Buster? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I grew up in a really small town in Staffordshire and probably like the only black kid in the school. Our family was the only black family in the whole town. And it sounds horrendous, but I just got used to being that minority. I got used to not seeing myself in books. And it's a horrible thing to kind of accept and we shouldn't be accepting it. Um, But I did because that was just the norm back then. And then fast forward, I had, um, I've got three children, um, three biracial children, um, but my eldest son, Walter, was diagnosed with autism in 2017. And um, he was non-verbal as well. But we soon kind of found out that he had this huge love affair infatuation with books and images and words. And I said to my husband, brilliant, even though he's non-verbal, he still wants to be part of the magic of stories. And I think that's so beautiful. So let's get loads and loads of books about, you know, mixed race or black or white, Asian, Asian, um, autistic children. And I found nothing, absolutely nothing. And I searched Google high and low. I was just thinking, come on, 2017, there's got to be loads of books out there. Um, And there was hardly any books, none in this country. There was a few in the States. And I just thought, oh, my God, this is such a shame. Like, why are we still having to really kind of actively search high and low for books about children who are, you know, biracial and have, um, you know, a disability? Like... We sh- mm. picture books should be you know giving the messages of you know compassion and kindness and fun and adventure and that shouldn't only just go to white abled children like this just it's ridiculous um and i've always been the kind of person who's been like you know what if it hasn't been created then you just stop me moaning and do something about it um so initially i thought i was just going to write some books just for walter so as he grew up he'll have all these little books um that he can refer to and it'll be his own little thing and then the more i started writing them the more i was like there's loads of kids like walter out there um so yeah i approached some publishers i went down that avenue first of all um and i was told that you know it's a fantastic story but it's it's too niche of a story wow yeah (laughs) um or there wasn't a market for it and i just thought how dare you i mean how dare you but you're basically saying that our children are not worth seeing in the pages of books 
And I thought, no, that you, we can't do that. We can't. And going back to my childhood, I accepted it then. And I thought, no, I'm not going to accept it now. We have to change. We have to change the cycle. And we have to, you know, actively get out there and tell our stories, especially when it's stories like mine, which are so personal. Um, and and it's not just for children who are neurodivergent. It's for every child out there to learn about differences and embrace the differences. So I just thought, you know what, sod that, I'll just do it myself. <laughs> so and, and Yeah, I think that that's what's so interesting because they'll turn around and say things like, oh, well, you know, it's so niche. And I, and mm-hmm. I hate that that was the experience that you had. But at the same yeah. time, I'm glad that it led you into creating something that you um, wanted to create and put mm-hmm. out into the world. But it's just that idea of it's so niche. No, it's not. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, neurotypical children need to learn about how to interact with neurodiverse children. Like, and they're only going to be able to do that if they have books that they can understand through those books what to look out for and how to support and how to celebrate their peers so there's nothing niche about it when all of our existences are interconnected absolutely and I think that we're so far behind when it comes to neurodiversity I think there's so many people out there who expect you know, children with special needs of any kind of spectrum disorder to just kind of mould and fit into today's society. And that's not the case at all. We shouldn't be trying to change them at all. It's the society that we should be changing. It's the way we approach them. It's the discussions that we have. It's the books that we read. It's the the movies that we watch where we've got more of diverse characters in there as well. And And we're learning about stories, about things that are so far fetched from our reality and that's not a bad thing at all i mean we should be actively going to find books where the character looks maybe nothing like us and the family comes from a completely different part of the world from us so then we learn about this so then when we do this at an early stage when we get into our teens someone who's completely different there's not all those crappy stereotypes that have been molded and are in place already we can approach people by just being decent human beings and i think that's what we're severely lacking at the moment so it's imperative that we have these conversations at an early stage with our children because children are so inquisitive they want to learn they want to know about differences mommy why is that woman's skin brown mommy why is that person in a wheelchair and these are the conversations that we should be having it's really important and for people to say you know oh i don't see differences and i don't see color and all the rest of it no no yes you do we <laughs> every single day when you go to that supermarket and you pick up that apple you compare it to the apple next to it and you go well that apple's shiny so i'm gonna take that apple mm. we do it on the most basic level and we should stop pretending that we don't see differences we should be saying yes we see differences and we should be embracing and celebrating these differences and if you find it hard to do then we start at the very beginning through literature with our children and having these really basic open conversations about it I love that. Thank you, Pamela. Thank you. And so now let's talk about Buster. Um, so the journey that we see in Buster finds his beat. Can you talk us through it? Like what's happening? Yeah. So Buster has autism. He also has a condition which is called sensory processing disorder, which again, my son has this. And just basically it's when the brain and nervous system has trouble filtering information through the senses. So for a lot of children or adults, 
young people on the spectrum they can find certain noises very overwhelming certain textures or smells can be completely overwhelming to them so the journey is really showing you how buster has to use ear defenders which is a really common thing for children who are not even on the spectrum as well and it just softens the sounds that he hears around him his ear defenders are almost like his superpower and he uses them all the time buster is infatuated with music and cars but again real cars the sounds cause too much overwhelm. So he likes his toy cars and things like that. And then one day he goes shopping with dad to a supermarket and he realizes that he's forgotten his ear defenders. And basically the story is showing you um, Buster's journey in that supermarket, going to the toilet, listening to the doors banging, the, head, the hand dryers, the noise of the hand dryers, the noise of the taps and things like that. And the sensory over overwhelm that causes him. And it just shows you how he deals with that situation. Um, and not giving the story away, but basically just showing you how sometimes your the things that you struggle with the most can actually be your biggest strengths. And through this story, Buster finally realizes what his strengths are. Um, so it's a really heartwarming story that's just showing compassion and understanding, and also that we are all human and we have these struggles. Struggles, and I think it's just a way of you know using that resilience to kind of combat those struggles on a day to day basis. And I think you've done an incredible job um, with that. And, I, and, you know, it's illustrated, it says here by Ray Walsh. I think mm -hmm. together you've done an incredible job no. with this story. Yeah. And I'm glad there are no spoilers, but, you know, <laughs> you, you all need to check this out. And, and for all the teachers listening, you need to go and get this book, like have it in your classrooms, have it everywhere. Um, um, parents listening, get this book, even if you don't have kids, if you're not interacting with kids, get this book for yourself so you know what's going on. Because I, I found it really, really useful. Mm -hmm. But what I really love is the um, you've also implemented here an augmented reality app that goes yeah. with it. Could yeah. you talk us through that? Yeah, absolutely. So whenever I'm writing the books, I'm always thinking about, you know, the people who are going to be reading it. And it's not always going to be, you know, able-bodied people, people who it's going to be people who've got various different disabilities. Um, and using the augmented, re base, uh, augmented reality technology, we've created this free app that goes alongside the book. So basically you download the app using your smartphone or tablet device. And it just bridges the two worlds of the reality world and the virtual world together. So by placing your phone over the book, you'll see that the characters start to pop and come into life. So you can touch the characters, you can move the characters, you can hear music, wow. you can hear sounds. And it's really important for those children who maybe have got speech and language delays or are nonverbal, they can still be part of that the magic of storytelling and they get to control the character and control the environment so for example if in the bathroom scene you can press the tap and press the hand dryer um so children who are normally really scared of those kind of environments they've got full control of it so using the app is going to try to make them realize that it's not so scary yeah you can do it loads and loads of times you can press that button as many times as you want nothing bad's going to happen to you you're in the comfort of your own home in the safety of your own environment so i love the fact that we've brought this and we're currently the only um company in the uk who has uses who uses augmented reality for diverse books so i'm really really proud of that fact and i um, just want to do so much more with this series and help so many more children who are just fed up of not seeing themselves in books thank you and i just wanted to say like to the publishers can you see your lives can you see your lives <laughs> 
can you see your lives? Pamela Akuli had to come and do the work for the girls because the girls weren't doing work. Look at that. Look at that. No, I'm so, I'm so, so glad that you, um, that you exist. Like, I just think that I'm so thankful for your life. Like you've done this and it's so important. And, um, you know, you know, as much as many of us that can go out and support you, um, let's do that. And where can we find you? Where can we get involved? Okay, so um, website is justlikemebox.co.uk. I am pretty heavy on social media, especially Instagram. So you can find me at just underscore um, like underscore me underscore stories. So just like me stories. Um, and the same t- uh, for my Twitter handle as well. So yeah, please get involved, get in touch. Um, yeah. Oh, this is wonderful. This is wonderful. Thank you for that. So everyone, you've heard it. You've heard our conversation um, about Just Like Me picture books and specifically about Buster and his adventures. Buster finds his beat. So I encourage you all to go and support because um, we talk about connecting and connecting as a community all of the time and this is exactly how we do it to start really really seeing each other and as Pamela said like it's not about going oh I don't see differences let's see differences let's support differences let's celebrate differences that is the whole point of this that's the whole point of us like existing in the first place but thank you so much Pamela for chatting with me oh thank you it's been a pleasure and thank you so much for all your support as well you've been an absolute (laughs) diamond thank Thank you There you go. So I hope that you enjoyed that interview with Pam. You can check out the picture books on just like me picture. I'm sorry, just like me books.co.uk or just underscore like underscore me underscore stories. So just like me stories on Instagram and on Twitter, it's at like me stories. So I just, yeah, I I, I loved Pam's energy, man. I love Pam's energy as a mum. I understand like what it's like, like you want to, as much as possible, if you feel like there's something missing in the world for your child, you want to put it into the world. And you, by doing that, you benefit so many other children as well. And so many other people, like, I don't understand why we have to uh, treat, um, having picture books that talk about autism for, um, non-white children, why we have to treat it as niche. But this is why I say a lot of, a lot of publishers are fucking idiots. And I'll say that with my entire chest, because I know quite a few publishers listen to this podcast. A lot of your colleagues are fucking idiots because it's, it's, everyone will post their black square and they'll post Black Lives Matter as their sign off in their email address um, or their, you know, their email emails and stuff. But then in the day to day, what are you doing to, to overcome, um, and to combat white supremacy? Not the fuck much, not the fuck much, because you still can't take your head out of your ass and consider that there's so much out there, um, that needs to be written about, but you're always thinking about, oh, well, how are we going to make money off it? How are we going to make money off it? You'll be surprised actually at the things that you'd make money off of if you weren't focused on this one way of doing things. For instance, even, not every storybook, not every children's book has to have a mum and a dad. I don't know why you insist on doing all of this nuclear family bullshit for people that don't necessarily want it. Yes, there are families that have this, like, and that's great. But a lot of people, their realities they is that they didn't have that. 
And so children also deserve to read books that reflect the, the, the family dynamics that they are growing up within. And by forcing this one narrative of his mummy and daddy, first of all, that's heteronormative and we can move beyond that. But not just that, like, oh, mummy and daddy, you're, you're not helping them to consider all the other ways that families exist. And so you lot pretty much need to do better because if you're going to let these white mummies have you, hold you by the neck, have you by the throat constantly in what you publish, then you're going to suffer there because the world will continue to move on without you. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed that share. You're magnificent. So I feel like now we're going to jump to So You Mad. But before we get to, no, yeah, now we'll jump to, <laughs> before we get to So You Mad, I'll just big up ExpressVPN, who are these uh, second show sponsors for this week. And then we'll get to So You Mad. Yeah. So thanks to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this week's episode. Um, you know, they're babes that, you know, just keep on coming back. Um... But yeah, like, I, I'm glad that so many of you have managed to go and get the app and you're subscribed and you're living your best life. I really have to try so hard to not be shady or rude when people are like, oh, you're watching this show. How can I watch it? And you're just like, just go and get the freaking VPN. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? Just go and get it. You'll be listening to this. And then you'll be like, oh, yeah, 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 I'll do it later. And then you'll have the cheek to tweet at me or DM me about, oh, how are you watching that? I'm watching it through my nostrils. How about that? Piss off. Anyway, um, yeah, go and get yourself the um, ExpressVPN app. Um, because really, using the internet without ExpressVPN is like taking a call on a train or a bus on speakerphone for everybody to hear. And you know, people love to do that. I don't understand. They're usually the same people that don't like to, they like to take their shoes off on the bus. And then you're just seeing their toe knuckles dry as fuck just on, on the, on the chair seats. But anyway, that's by the by. Imagine for instance, like even reading out your long card number, um, on, with everything on speakerphone right on the bus or in the tube. Like, you're just exposing yourself anyhow. And that's what we do with a lot of our data while we're using the internet. Um, because your internet service providers can sometimes sell off this information that they can, um, that they collect about every single website that you visit. And they use it to like, they sell it to tech giants, use it to do all of these targeted ads. But let me say, let me say sometimes them ads be hitting, but that's not the point. The fact of the matter is they shouldn't be able to do that. Right? So, um, ExpressVPN creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so people can't peep on your online activity. So fire up the app and click one button. Um, it works on phones, laptops, even routers. So everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can be protected. I actually need to go set it up on my router if that's the case, you know. Living life, I need to be doing the things. I need to, you know, be enjoying myself. So secure your online activity by visiting expressvpn.com forward slash straws. Um, that's E-X-P-R-E ssvpn.com slash straws today and you can get an extra three months free. That's expressvpn.com slash straws. Go and get your life. All right, cool. So now we're on to So You Mad. So this week on So You Mad, it's a quick one. Just a quick one. Just a quick one. Um, you might know Josh Rivers. Josh Rivers um, is a friend of the podcast. I was on his podcast called Busy Being Black. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I implore you to go and listen to that episode with myself and Josh on Busy Being Black, speaking about all of the things. Anyway, 
Josh um, posted about an email that he received from somebody called Becky. The email goes as follows. The title of the email is speaker request. Um, So Becky must have emailed asking for Josh to um, speak at an event and that he should speak at that event for free. So Josh responded to her saying, hi, Becky, thanks very much for reaching out and for thinking of UK Black Pride for your event. I'm afraid no one at UK Black Pride is available to donate their time to a conversation about how to be a better ally. And it's generally understood to be in poor taste to ask black people or a member of any other marginalised group to perform labour without compensation. Regarding the conversation outline, it's important to note that marginalised communities do not owe potential allies anything. If your allyship requires your hand and that your hand is held and your hair your hair is stroked while you learn about the harm caused by racism for the first time, it's not actually allyship but mothering. Your allyship should not depend on whether you like me or if you feel included or welcomed, but on whether you think it is wrong that racism continues to blight the lives of black people and you think it's right that it's fixed all the best with the event josh and wow josh if any josh can josh will read a motherfucker josh can read oof people for filth right and i just love this email because i've received i love like josh's just readjusting myself i love josh's response to this because it was really straight to the point and it really needed to be because i can imagine the email that he received from her first of all bitch this is a ticketed event like you're you're making money from this event and so from that money you should factor in paying your speakers and then the rest of the money can go to the cause of which you speak all of this stuff about oh it's a ticketed event and we want to get as much money as possible to the cause that we're supporting really aggravates me because yeah you can get money to them but you can also pay the people who are taking their time out to be here and if those people go oh actually don't worry I don't actually need to be paid for this you can you know keep that money donate that money um, to the cause that you're, you know, campaigning for, but it's not that you'll tell me off the bat that you're not going to pay me and I should donate my time. I've been donating my time to this white supremacist patriarchal society. I will not donate another minute of my time. Reclaiming my time, reclaiming my time, big up Maxine Waters, because that's what I'm doing. Reclaiming my time. Don't ask me to donate anything. I'm not donating anything. I'm not speaking anywhere for free. I remember one PR agency, right, who have some of the biggest fucking clients in the world they now had the cheek to ask me through somebody else during the black right and black lives matter resurgence stuff they asked me through a white girl if i would um, speak to everybody about how to um you know talk about racism and how to deal with racism and if um, if i could speak for 25 minutes to all of their staff across the world because this is a global motherfucking company if i could speak to all of their staff and via zoom um you know oh can we do it at this time because you know we've got you know our colleagues in new york and everything so you even have colleagues in new york how many times in my life have i smelt you new york but i should come and speak to them for free oh but can i speak to them for free and i said well no because the irony of it is that you're asking me to talk about racism and the ways that it impacts us and this is one of the way it impacts us that you think that me as a black woman should just be giving up my time for free to teach you the fuck the fuck and then the white girl, as lovely as she might be every other time, she was like, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to be speaking about my experience and the things that I've done too. Yeah, but you're white and you're rich. So you can do that. 
You can fucking do that. I cannot. I, I not even cannot. I will not do that. You've got your debt to pay back to society, karmic or whatever. I ain't got shit to pay back. So therefore, them motherfuckers need to pay me. That's how this works, okay? And it's like, oh yeah, I'll get back to them and then I'll get back to you. And then I heard nothing, but I'm still seeing them up and down, up and down, up and down. They're the ones that got this client. They're the ones that got this client. It's so fucking cheeky. It's so fucking disrespectful, but that's a PR company. But we're here looking at um, this organization that I guess they're claiming that they're not for profit. Stop asking black people to work for free. In 2021, I feel that anybody that asks a black person to come and give their expertise for free needs to get punched directly in the esophagus. Blam, just like that. That's what needs to happen. Anyway, Becky, in her full Becky mode, now responds with, hi, Josh. Thanks for taking the time to get to me. I'm sorry that you felt it inappropriate for me to ask for a speaker to volunteer at the event. This event is run by a charity for charities. Much in the same way you invite people to volunteer at your organisation, we do the same. Hmm, okay. Um, that That's her being a shady cow, first and foremost. And you, as probably um, a more white organisation you can do what you're doing over there. If UK Black Pride or whatever are asking people to volunteer and to help here and to help there, it's very, very different. And I'm sure that they are being compensated in other ways, even if it's not financially, that it's a community feel. That's not what you're doing here. You're literally selling tickets for what you're doing. Anyway, it goes on to say, a core reason for this is that the lower the production costs for the event, the more the organisation is able to provide bursaries and subsidised places for small charities. As the, event, um, as the event takes place during working hours, and most of our speakers are salaried employees, they tend not to feel like they are being asked to perform their labour without compensation. No, because like imagine that it's taking place during working hours but I'm not your employee so you asking me to speak for free when I'm not your employee is even mad even if I was your employee you asking me to do anything outside the scope of my job description I should be paid for she then goes on to say um they understand the value they gain from the opportunity as do their employers and they understand the value it adds to the wider charity sector. So basically Josh is an idiot that doesn't understand anything and she's clearly having to explain it to him and basically saying, oh, but you get exposure. This Becky is really Beckying. Um, she goes on with, however, for those people who are self-employed and will be missing out on income as a result of participating in the event, we do offer financial payment. Um, I would have been happy to explain this to you had you asked. You fucking bitch. You stupid, scruffly, stinking bitch. You big hole pussy gala. What? What? If I'd asked... You don't think that it's your duty to tell me in your initial email. If any motherfucker sends me any email henceforth about, we'd like you to speak at this event, we'd like you to do this, and they don't put in that initial email what they're looking to pay me for doing that, so we can at least start the discussion on that end, I'm not responding. Same way I don't respond to people who spell my name wrong. I've ignored like four emails this week, don't care about what opportunity it is, because my name is not Kilichi. It's not K-E. L-I-C-H-I, -I. it's not, so I'm not responding because I'm tired of that bullshit. If you're reaching out to me, you should have had the common decency to check what my fucking name is. So in fact, 
the email address that you're in, like you're emailing is my name. Everything ends with kelechiokafo.com. Like that's where you're emailing. So how are you spelling my name wrong in the email? And some people, mostly white people love to say, oh, I don't think it's a big deal when people spell my name wrong. Well, that's fine. That's fine. That's on you. Enjoy that. Go and eat it with your marmite. I care. And I want my name to be spelt right. So anyway, I should have asked, I should have asked, I should have let you know my circumstances and then you would have told me that you're going to pay me. This is the kind of thing that white women do that I find so fucking dangerous because it turns into this mind game. It turns into this back and forth of words where nobody wants to take accountability. And the thing is, I'm well versed in white womanism, right? And I don't mean womanism as in the Alice Walker womanism. I mean, I'm versed in white womanish, right? I'm versed in what they do with words. And so even recently, I've had to interact with people for certain opportunities and I clock all of the condescending mannerisms that are within the text but I've got to overlook it because it's just like oh you know you know what it's like you know if you want to get ahead there's some things that you see and you just have to overlook but it really starts to grate at me because I'm like if I cuss you out in this email what will now happen you're gonna cry for 40 days and 40 nights and that's probably the most water and that your face has ever seen because uh, you just use wipes to wipe off your makeup and you try to avoid bathing as much as possible the salt in those tears is probably the most salt that's ever come close to your lips but here I am here I am having to tolerate this bullshit because I can't afford to upset you because I need a certain opportunity through you and I can't be seen to be too militant, too combative. Fuck that. Fuck that. Stop being stupid in the emails and start behaving correctly. Start acting like you have sense. You should have told Josh off the bat, Becky, what the fees were. And you can also say, you know, we offer this, but we're hoping that if some people are participating that wouldn't mind foregoing the fee, that we can put more money towards the bursaries and retete and retete that we're offering. But you didn't say that, but somehow Josh in his blackness is meant to be telepathic enough to know that that is also a possibility. Man, fuck you. Um, she then goes on to say, Thank you also for your comments about allyship. You make an important point. I know I do. You don't need to tell me, Becky. Anyway, it's a shame you you won't be there to discuss this in person. It would have been great to have learnt more about your perspective. For instance, I'd love to know how you take into account the knowledge and experiences of people who may be at the very beginning of their journey of understanding RE racism and other social injustice issues. Do you think tone of voice is important? How do we recognise the justified anger that minorities may feel and channel this into a conversation that is productive for everybody? Can you see the passage? of aggression. Let's go line by line for those people who don't speak white woman. Right. So we'll start here, class. She said, first of all, I've said to you, best wishes, fuck off. And then now you've come to ask questions because regardless, you're still trying to get the free labor that I denied you in the first instance. You're still trying to get it now, but you're also trying to um, wield some kind of power that you do not have because I will drag your limp hair up and down, but you're trying to exert that power right now and it's not going to work. She says, um, it would have been great to have learned more about your perspective. For instance, I'd love to know how you take into account the knowledge and experiences of people who may be at the very beginning of their journey of understanding RE racism and other social justice issues. So basically you're saying, oh, well, I'm new to this. And how do we take into account the people who are new to this? He just said that he's not going to stroke your hair and cuddle you while you're learning about this because you're not therefore really looking to learn. You're just looking to be centered again in this conversation where you are actually the oppressor. So that's part one. 
to then go on with, um, uh, where is it here? Do you think tone of voice is important? Again, so she's now trying to police the manner that Josh told her all of that because now it's like, oh, well, do you, if I'm a beginner and you're speaking to me like this, how can we ever move forward when people are speaking like this? And how do we take the anger that people might feel like yourself and channel it into a conducive conversation? You're a prick. Because basically what you're saying is that the conversation can't happen if I don't change my tone of voice. Again, that's your racism showing. That's your white privilege showing because you're trying to control how this conversation is going to happen. And it has to be nice for you. You have to feel welcomed into the conversation for you to even pay it any mind. It's either you're going to change or you're not going to fucking change. It's not tone of voice that's going to change that, Becky. Um, she, This really should have been straw of the week because she's doing a lot. She's doing a lot with the absolute least. Um, She then says, how do we create entry points for people, no matter where they are in their journey, that feel safe for them? Again, people are dying, Becky. There's blood on the streets, Becky. Is it your safety that you think is paramount at this time? Really? Really, Rebecca? It's you that we're, comp that we're concerned about at this time. See how you've come on behalf of your charity and you've disgraced yourself. You've rolled yourself up and down the compound because you have no sense. Foolish goat. Foolish. Um... How do we address issues such as, um, such as cognitive dissonance and unconscious bias and the impact these play on our understanding of social justice and equality? I'm sorry that I won't have the opportunity to, to discuss this with you. I think it would have made for an interesting conversation. I've made a note of your comment and will be sure to add this to the list of discussion points. So you just ask all of them questions to say, yeah, well, bye. You're not going to. You, your, your charms, your white femininity that you go and inflict upon everyone everywhere, it's not going to work here. You're not going to just get to ask your things and get your way by the virtue of being a white woman. That kind of, that card, ain't, it's not working anymore. People love to say about, oh, black and black people pull the race card. What the fuck are the rest of you pulling there? Because that means that we've only got one card. That means you've got the entire rest of the deck, you fucking dickheads. What now? What now? It's just wild to me. It's really, really wild to me to then know that you're, uh, you've, you've been told, here's my boundary. And then you're now trying to move past. You're trying to violate that boundary by saying all of these questions in the hopes that you're going to drag Josh back into a conversation with you and get your answers. You can list all of the things that, you, that you've mentioned there and go and do whatever the hell you want to do with it and go and tell other people that they should come and speak for free. But in 2021, going forward, no one should be, being, no one should be asked to speak anywhere for free. If you want speakers at your event, factor that into your budget and, and make something happen, all right? Because for me personally, yes, I expect a specific fee when I'm speaking at certain places, but I'm usually willing to waive the amount that I'd usually ask for. If I can see that the people who are doing it have actually put thought into the fact that, you know what, we need to like actually pay people for being here. Um, and not a lot of people do that. Um, and this is why I like Precious, Precious Tawia. I like Precious, um, who does cycle, um, usually events about mental health, because from the very first moment that Precious ever reached out to me, she was like, yo, I don't have a lot of money, but I understand that I must pay you to attend these events. And for that reason, I was willing to negotiate with Precious and see what could be done. But if you think for a fucking moment that you're going to reach out to me with all of the knowledge and all the knowledge that I had to acquire through blood, sweat and tears and the pain that I had to go through in this society, that I'm just going to come and give it to you and your white counterparts for free so you can all sit there like glassy-eyed motherfuckers for the entire time you've got another thing coming mate absolute other thing coming that's not happening 
Um, so big up yourself, Josh, magnificent king. You really dealt with Becky, even though Becky persisted in being mad the entire time. But these are the ways that I feel like people need to be aware of the violence that we face daily when white women really refuse to hear no. Like you'll be up and down talking about the Me Too movement and how people should be respected for respected for this and that and this and that. Meanwhile, you're refusing to respect anybody else. I just don't like it. And another thing, there'll be people who are listening to this newly because, you know, I've started doing like my Formula One segment and things like that. And they'll be like, oh, this is really harsh. I don't feel welcome in this space. And maybe you're not, because if you don't have the, you know, the wherewithal to be able to hear my lived reality and my truth, and you feel like, oh yeah, maybe we can't invite her to this and do that and do this, then don't then don't because my star will continue to shine. And you know what? We're not even talking about any star at this point. I am the motherfucking sun, bitch. Close your eyes, wear your sunglasses, wear your SPF because I'm going to keep blazing up the place. All right? All right. Let's continue then. Anyway, that's that for So You Man. Let's get into Start Your Motors. Vroom, vroom, bitch. Vroom, vroom. Whew. So, so much has been happening in Formula One this week that I don't even know where to begin. Like, I've got to get you up to date on, look at Cars Racing By, even as I'm speaking, like, they're fully giving me a soundtrack for this shit. So, first of all, let's go back to Silverstone, because we've covered Silverstone, and we know that um, Max Verstappen went flying into the sides and at 51g as he claimed and you know had to be looked over at the hospital and chris horner the red bull team principal decided to move like a madman like a spiceless wonder that's fine anyway you'd think that that would end there right because lewis hamilton received the 10 second time penalty at that race and he still won right he still won silverstone because i was there also but we'll get into that shortly um so all of that's happened now. Trust and believe that these people have not let it go. Red Bull did not let it go. And that's why I put the song at the beginning, because when you do clownery, woo, that clown takes a chunk out of your bum bum, really does. So earlier this week or earlier last week, um, the stewards dismissed Red Bull's request to review Hamilton's British Grand Prix penalty. So their whole thing was, the whole thing at Red Bull was like, nah, we don't think he got punished enough. It didn't help us that 10 second um, time penalty that he got. It never would have helped you. It wasn't to help you. It wasn't to help you. They gave him the penalty and they moved the fuck on. They were basically like, that wasn't enough. He could have killed Max. Rare, 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 rare. All of this stuff. So they wanted everything reviewed. So I'll just read you what I've got here. It says, Red Bull's bid to review um, of the um, to have a review of the 10 second penalty Lewis Hamilton received for colliding with Max Verstappen at a British Grand Prix has been rejected. While Mercedes have responded by accusing their rivals of trying to tarnish the good name and sporting integrity of their lead driver, seven time world champion Hamilton has been handed and was handed the penalty at Silverstone for being predominantly, according to the stewards, to blame for the collision at Cope's Corner which um, sent Verstappen into the barriers at 180 miles per hour. Red Bull team principal, aka King of Bad Vibes, aka Spiceless Wonder, Christian Horner, was furious and his team submitted a petition for review. 
which was discussed by the stewards and representatives from both Mercedes and Red Bull via video conference um, ahead of the Hungarian Grand Prix. The FIA's International Sporting Code permits such reviews for a, um, permits such requests for a review if a significant and relevant new element is discovered, which was unavailable to the party seeking the review at the time of the decision concerned. So what I need you to understand that's happening here, right, is that Christian or um, Horner, aka King of Bad Vibes, aka Spiceless Wonder, he wants um, for basically for um, Hamilton to be suspended. He wants him to be suspended. So he was hoping that they were going to review it and either suspend him from the Hungarian Grand Prix. Look at me knocking the mic. He was hoping that they'd either suspend him from the Hungarian Grand Prix, which just took place today, Sunday, or that they would maybe um, suspend him from the Belgian Grand Prix, which is going to happen because now everybody's on a three-week um, summer holiday. So the race that we're coming back to when um, the season resi uh, resumes will be the Belgian Grand Prix. So they were hoping that he'd be suspended from the race, which would allow them, hopefully, because they've got such a powerful car in comparison to everybody else, to extend their lead on the championship table as well as the well as well as the constructors and um, championship table. So as I explained to you before, the individual drivers they get points for how well they drive and where they place in the top ten. So you're hoping for top three, right? Well, you're hoping for number one, really, but you're hoping for top ten. And also, every um, place that you get or every point that you get your team your your actual car team that you drive for they also get points as well so there's your championship as drivers as individual drivers and it's also the constructors championship where and each team has two drivers so that's how they get their points you're hoping that both of your drivers get points which means that you as the constructor that literally constructed the car that you then get points as well so it's really tight between like Hamilton and, um, you know, and, and Verstappen as well as Red Bull and Mercedes. So they're hoping like, boom, strategy here. If we can get him suspended now that they fixed their car, now that we've seen um, during, I think it was Silverstone. Yeah, during Silverstone, the first qualifying, they saw how fast um, Lewis Hamilton's car has now become due to the upgrades that Mercedes have done to the car at the factory. So no, we need him suspended because we now don't want it to be, you know, neck and neck with all of this stuff so they've submitted a review so they're hoping that with this new information that they're providing <coughs> lies um that that will mean that he gets a, a suspension uh, as well as that 10 second you know the 10 second time penalty that they were that was there or they were even hoping maybe i think even that his win at silverstone would be taken away from him and this is what i'm saying all the prayers that i keep praying anybody that tries to take away the accolades that god has given to me may they end up in a cloud of smoke of confusion okay okay then so anyway it goes on to say um red bull submitted four pieces of evidence four pieces of fuckery as i like to say which were all slides created by the team to show wait so you lot in wanting to do the most you lot went and created powerpoint presentations that's really what you brought to the table i thought that you were going to go and bring you know the tire to come and speak i thought that you were going to go and bring the chassis that got broke up the right wing all of that stuff i thought you were going to come and bring the car to come and speak put the car you know in a in a neck brace bring it up to come and speak and talk about how devastated and how traumatized the car is. I thought you were going to bring one tire to come and testify. But no, what you lot went to go and do is create a PowerPoint presentation. Can you not see how pathetic it is? You and your pathetic PowerPoint presentations. Look where you ended up. PPP. Sorry. Sorry about that. Anyway, 
They submitted GPS data available to them of both Hamilton and Verstappen's car. GPS data drawing various alleged comparisons with the line taken by Hamilton when passing um, Charles Leclerc for the lead later in the race at the same corner. Alleged lap simulations of the incident and what was described as a reenactment of Hamilton's lap one line at Silverstone based on a lap allegedly driven, driven by Alex Albon. Right. So the final piece of evidence was gathered during a filming day the team conducted with their reserve driver at Silverstone. After looking at the information presented to them, um, presented to them, the stewards deemed it not that it did not qualify as a significant and relevant new element. Ha 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 ha. Look at that. You went and spent all your time doing PowerPoint presentations only to get told no. Now what? See, you could have used all of that time to be driving and to be focused on your strategy and to be focused on how you were going to drive in the rain when we were in Budapest. But you were, I say we were in Budapest. I was in my house in Bermondsey. But you did all of that stuff. And where did it lead you? Nowhere. How did you get here? Nobody's supposed to be here. You spent your time doing PowerPoint presentations and your car said, no, no. Whew. Grid position. I'm not supposed to be there. Look at that. Oh, well. Anyway, they added that some of the slides were not discovered, but created for the purposes of submissions to support the petition for review. And they were created based on evidence that was already available at the time of the decisions. Look at your, oh man, taking last, that's what you're doing. Um, so therefore, it clearly does not satisfy the requirements of Article 14. As a result, they dismissed the request for a review, which means Hamilton's penalty stands as does his victory. Did you hear that? As does his victory. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. You're not leading championships no more. Oh, anyway, the stewards also added, the stewards note, with some concern, certain allegations which have not been made public, made in the competitor's above letter, such allegations may or may not have been relevant to the stewards if the petition for review had been granted. The stewards may have addressed these allegations directly in any decision that would have followed. The petition having been dismissed, the stewards make no comment on those allegations. Um, after the decision was announced, Mercedes released a statement accusing Red Bull of being a petty bitch. No, that's not what they said. That's what I'm saying. But um, they they said that they were trying to tarnish the good name and sporting integrity of Lewis Hamilton. Now, the thing is, they didn't make public whatever it is that was written, that was written, those allegations that they wrote in the above letter. But I can imagine how mad Christian Horner, Chris Horner was moving in that letter, because already what he was saying to the media when he was being interviewed, directly fueled all the racist abuse that Lewis Hamilton was receiving thereafter. And he hasn't taken responsibility for that. You can't now come and release a statement and say, oh, at Red Bull, we're against racism. No, no, you're not. You're not because I, we heard all the dog whistles. The dogs were whistling like fuck every time he spoke to, spoke on the mic to any one of them reporters because he was fuming and his racism was what? Leaping out. That's the that's what gave him that's what gave him wings his racism, but you did what you landed into a wall. Okay then. 
Um, Mercedes put out a tweet and they said, um, the Mercedes AMG Patronus F1 team welcomes the decision of the stewards to reject Red Bull's race, Red Bull Racing's right of review. In addition to bringing this incident to a close, we hope that this decision will mark the end of a concerted attempt by the senior management of Red Bull Racing to tarnish the good name and sporting integrity of Lewis Hamilton, including in the documents submitted for their unsuccessful right to review. You know what I love? I love, I love a petty bitch. I love that Mercedes came through and we're just like, you know what? Let's just tell you a couple of things. Your unsuccessful review, because you tried to be an enemy of progress and what happened? You did not progress. Look at that. You just remained an enemy. Just remained an enemy. There you go. Um, it says here, we now look forward to going to going racing this weekend and to continuing our hard-fought competition for the 2021 FIA Formula One World Championship. So this is what I say to all of you lot. I know that you're like, rah, F1 doesn't interest me. Them men are just in cars going round and round and round. First of all, the laps are over so quickly. Remember that some of these people are going 180 miles per hour, 200 miles per hour. And they've got 70 laps sometimes to do. Sometimes it's 53 laps, depending on what the circuit is. But... What we're saying is that it's over, um, it's over so quickly, especially if your fave is like at the back. Sometimes you want it to go on longer because you're just like, if they had three more laps, oh, if they had three more laps, they'd be able to win this. And that's what I felt like at the Hungarian GP today, at the Hungarian Grand Prix. Like if Hamilton had three more laps, he would have been able to do what needed to be done. But he did really, really well anyway, because I don't understand the strategy that Mercedes tried to use. Very, very mad. But I'll talk about that um, shortly. Um, yeah, I just find it really odd that Red Bull went to that extent. PowerPoint presentations, all of them things there is what they were doing. Now, let me tell you what is then interesting. Upon them doing all of that, what happened? We now find out that one of their staff members... I don't know who managed to get their hands on that person's phone, but they basically screen recorded all of the times that this person has been in group chat saying the word nigger, 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 nigger. I won't even say the name of the person, but you'll find it. If you do a quick search, you'll see the person's name right there. But Red Bull put out a statement and they were like, oh, um, we fired the person with immediate effect. And also they weren't our, um, they weren't, our track employees, so they're not somebody that would have been on the track, but yeah, we fired them with immediate effect, and the thing is, yeah, you fired them, but when are you going to fire yourself, because the racism that they were showing there, they just got caught, but we've seen you move equally as mad, even if you haven't used that direct language, we've seen you get pretty close, I would say, um, so you firing them means absolutely nothing to me, you should go and fire yourselves as well, uh, yeah, it's just absolutely wild how quickly that they got rid of him. But it just goes to show that, you know, racism is a big problem within society, but it's a massive problem within Formula One. I can't believe the things that he was saying. I think at one point he even mentioned lynching and niggers. And I just think, rah, like this is someone working on the team, like working on the cars, like being involved in this whole dynamic. And these are the things that they're saying. So, yeah. He's fired. Good. He wasn't on the trackside team. Don't know what that what that's meant to mean to any of us, really. But it just goes to show that Hamilton wasn't imagining the racism that he's facing. It's right there, clear as day. And he didn't try to speak on it too much. But I'm sure we already know how he feels about that. Um, so, yeah, let's get to this weekend then. I'll keep that nice and short and cute. It was a madness, right? So, um, 
loads of reporters asking Verstappen and Hamilton about, oh, how do you feel about racing together this weekend and racing against each other? Are you going to go for it based on what happened at Silverstone? Only for Max Verstappen to lose his shit. And he was just like, can you stop asking me that fucking question? That's what he said. He literally said in the the news conference, he was like, can you stop asking us that fucking question? Since Thursday, that's all we've been asked, that same question. We're just going to race hard and we're going to race fair. Okay, that's what we're going to do. And, you know, what is, I think like Verstappen's 23 or something. I think he's 23 years old. Um, Lewis is 36. So Lewis is a bigger guy for him. 13 years his senior. 13 years his senior. And you, when they asked Lewis, he was just like, well, um, I called him and we had a conversation. How was the conversation? It was respectful. Oh, what was said? It was respectful. Oh, you can't tell us what was said. I said it was respectful. You know, like people are proper trying to push and find out something. And the fact of the matter is like, you know that Max is salty as hell for what happened, but it is what it is. This is what racing is. Like, I don't know what else you wanted me to tell you, but he knew, he knew that he needed to call and just say something because this whole thing that Max was going on about, oh, he shouldn't have celebrated like that, knowing how hurt I was and how badly hurt I was in the car. He shouldn't have been celebrating. That was not sportsman-like, rah, 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 as if he wouldn't have celebrated in the same way but the whole time that Max was effing and blinding um Lewis was just sipping his drink which I loved he was really sucking on that straw really taking in that drink and his eyes were white wide and they were like oh Lewis do you have anything to add he was like no no in his shiny silver trousers baby boy said no got nothing to add he said all the things that needed to be said me I'm just going to be quiet in this corner over here okay so anyway we get to qualifying now and this time we don't have to do a fucking sprint qualifier it's just straight who's fastest who gets the fastest lap that's the person that's going to be first on the grid so because Lewis was fastest he was first on the grid for race day and second um, to him was Bottas who's his teammate Valtteri Bottas who usually I usually make fun of Valtteri Bottas and I was really saying that he's gone at the end of this season but after what he did today, I've got to give it to him. Like he did what needed to be done. Bottas understood the assignment, all right? Whether he realizes it consciously or not, he understood the fucking assignment. So um, Bottas is in second place and Max Verstappen is in third place. And then the rest of the grid is just there. Everyone else behind them. They set off now and they're racing. Like they're going for it. Lewis goes right ahead, vroom. And then something happens. I don't know what happened with um, Bottas's start or whatever, but we see that anyway, um, Lando Norris, anyway, Lando Norris is now trying to basically overtake in a similar way to how Hamilton overtook um, Verstappen at Silverstone, only for him to go into Bottas, I think it is. Yeah, he goes into Bottas and then Bottas goes into Verstappen and they are out out of the race immediately we haven't even set off properly properly they are out and um max clearly will be fuming nah actually guys can you believe that i've had to come back to record (laughs) i've had to come back to record lev is sleeping i'm having to come back to record to put an update in because wow the planets are really planeting when it comes to lewis hamilton So remember that I said, like, baby boy was 14th place, clawed his way up to third place. I didn't like how shaky he looked. In the um, uh, post-race press conference, he was saying how he's still feeling the effects of COVID that he had last year. And um, 
you know, it's just been really tough. But now he's got a three week break. So hopefully he can rest up and Angela can make him some broccoli and whatever else that uh, vegans and plant based people eat. And just, you know, let him look after himself. And I was just like, you know, and also he needs electrolytes because he's clearly severely dehydrated. So let's get him some electrolytes and mix that with the tears of his naysayers and the tears of that spiceless wonder, that king of bad vibes. That would also go a long, long way. I tweeted that under the F1 page on Twitter. The troll started saying, oh, my God, you own a brand. Grow up. Yeah. And my brand is what? Fuckery. My brand is rudeness. Yeah. So I'm actually on brand, you stupid bitch. I'm actually on brand, mind your business. Anyway, so all of that's happening now, only for us to hear, oh, Sebastian Vettel's car, and Sebastian, again, four-time world champion, you know, knows what he's doing, raced really well, couldn't catch up to Esteban Ocon, so he ended up being second place, with Lewis being third place, right? Mm Mm-mm. The officials are now like, oh, they tried to go and get fuel from his car, because basically, the officials at any time during the race, they can ask for one uh, one meter sample of the fuel that's in your car because anybody can move mad at any time and put, you know, fuel in their car that's super enhanced, that just allows them to do wild things. And so there are regulations um, around the kind of fuel that you can have, but they can ask for the fuel at any time. So after the race, they've gone to go and get Um, fuel from um, Sebastian Vettel's car now and you're meant to be able to get one litre as a sample they could only get 0.3 litres so for that reason they disqualified homeboy and honestly I hate that it had to be Vettel I didn't like it when um, I think it was like around 2013 times I would say yeah around 2013 times he was like a strong contender against um, Lewis And so I didn't like him them times and I felt like he was a bit shady, a bit rude. I don't think I liked him for a long time, actually. Probably didn't change my opinion. I don't think I changed my opinion until recently, really. But anyway, he was one of the only ones when um, Lewis was doing, you know, speaking out um, against racism and, you know, um, taking the knee and all of that. Literally, Sebastian Vettel was one of the only drivers who like stood by him and was like supporting the team so of all the people to be the one that's getting this yeah I just hate that it had to be him and also after the fuckery that Ferrari put him through as well if you're watching if you're trying to catch up on Formula One and you try you want to know what I'm talking about I really suggest you get into the series Drive to Survive on Netflix that will explain a whole lot to you not everything but you'll be pretty up to date you've got to watch it like Real Housewives of the Racing Track because that's really how they behave but you know Vettel's been through some real fuckery but I really appreciate the fact that you know when Hamilton was doing all of them things, speaking out against racism. He didn't even know whether he had the words, whether he had the understanding of what the hell was going on. But he was just like, you know what, I back it. So of all the people on that in that race that I would have chosen to to be disqualified, it would not have been him. I mean, you you should probably be able to even pick the person that I would have picked anyway. But um, yeah, it just sucks. So that basically means that no, um, basically yeah, Lewis Hamilton is now second place not third place so he went from 14th place to second place basically and um yeah Esteban Ocon is still first and that means that Carlos Sainz who he had to chase who's in the Ferrari car who um yeah basically would have been Vettel's rival really when he was you know doing all of them things no he was really dealing having to deal with Leclerc and all of that 
Um, but yeah, all of that stuff was happening. And um, so now Carlos signs, he's third place. Everyone's moved up one. So that means that even Verstappen, who was 10th place, he's now ninth place. Um, so he's got an extra point. So he's got two points now. Oh, wonderful. Well, Lewis has got more points, thus furthering the lead, thus even more comfortable as the leader of the championship as we go into the summer break. And I like that even Alfa Romeo, uh, Alfa Romeo, because of everyone moving one place up, even Alfa Romeo now, um, through Raikkonen, the driver, Kimi Raikkonen, they've now got one point because they're now in 10th place instead of 11th. Um, and I love that because Raikkonen really frustrated, really frustrated the life of, of Verstappen. And I love to see it. Him and Ricardo, they really showed him and I freaking love to see it. So, um, yeah, I just hope that that spiceless wonder, that king of bad vibes, aka Christian Horner, I really hope he's shedding tears right now because like, look at that. Hamilton even managed to move a place up on the grid or on the podium and he was busy um swaying in the wind from dehydration and he still managed to move a place up in the podium without doing anything can you see how god works when you're not bad vibes when you've got a good heart can you see what how god works when you haven't got a bad belly can you see oh well so yeah i just hope that he gets to rest up because these are such wild happenings it feels like a real roller coaster ride at the moment but i had to come and update you because i didn't want to now see tweets in the morning of people being like oh my god but you know he's not even third anymore he's now second because it's um 10 o'clock and this is when we're getting these updates but i really feel it for verstappen verstappen <laughs> never i really feel it for vettel i really feel it for sebastian vettel because you know when you do good things you deserve good things to happen to you and i and i would have liked him to have that second place finish but you know our baby boy needed it more i guess but they're going to appeal it anyway um aston martin vettel's um team they've said that they're going to appeal that and they've got the time to appeal it but I mean if they said that they wanted one litre and you had 0.3 litres I don't know what you're really appealing there but go for your life do what you need to do so you just see the craziest things happen but I had to come tell you anyway let's carry on and get on with um I guess it's straw of the week so my first straw of the week goes out to all the motherfuckers that were booing Lewis Hamilton I know that I said I finished Start Your Motors, but I just really needed to say, like, fuck all of you lot in it for booing and doing whatever you're doing, because you're not doing it from a place of, oh, this is just about sports. Most of you are just ashy-kneed, scabby-footed, racist motherfuckers. But I just needed to get that off my chest. But anyway, let's get to the actual straw of the week. Um, I've got a letter to start off with, actually. And actually, I was going to say as well, I like that Bottas, for once, actually spoke out when he was doing a press conference. He was saying when um during qualifying or after qualifying he was saying that he doesn't understand like why the fuck are people booing like who are they who are you lot booing he's like usually i don't say anything about this stuff and i have to wonder why like why white people like to stand by and watch these things happen to black people um he's like usually i don't say anything about this stuff but we're all here to race and this booing is not cool like it's not it's not it's not right so uh, you know at least he's finding his voice small small if we can call it that anyway um so yeah this is the first letter I have or the only letter I'm reading this week actually because I knew I had a lot to cover 
It says here, Dear Kelechi, I want to start off by saying thank you for being the baby girl that you are. You are truly a blessing to us all. I am writing for the Suck Your Mum segment. A little background. I work for a big tech company in the States. Our building has about 290 people. Out of 290 people, there's only about 15 women in the entire building. Only a handful are black, including myself. Surprisingly, there are six women in leadership positions. However, I am the only black woman in a position of leadership. Not only that, I am the youngest woman in the entire building. I'm only 24. Guande. Um, when I first started working for that company, there was a lot of madness, mainly from the men who couldn't understand how I qualified for the job. If I started to list the microaggressions I've encountered, we could be here for days. I recently put in a res my resignation letter after a team uh, from another building stole my work and didn't give me credit for it. But that's a story for another day. On top of that, I'm starting my master's program pretty soon and it was just time to go. So today they announced that next Wednesday is my last day. People came to my desk to congratulate me or to inquire about where I'm going, why I'm leaving, etc. There was one white guy who came and said, oh, so you think you're better than us? Like, why is that the first thing that comes out of your mouth? It's giving big mad, big hater. He and the team that stole my work can all go suck their mothers. It doesn't end there. One of my team members sends me a chat about an open door post. Open door is a platform we have that employees can voice their opinions anonymously. This specific post stated with, started with, Women empowerment has just become a thing. I'm an African-American male who has been at this company for five years. The post goes on to basically say that as a black man, he feels robbed of opportunities because only women have been um, have been getting promoted, which is false. He even mentioned that black women help these white women get in these positions and he feels like it's some agenda towards black men. Like I said before, I am the only black woman in a position of leadership. If you have a problem with me, why not come talk to me directly? He can also suck his mum. Thanks, a baby girl in the making. You better live your fucking best life. These people, again, 24-year-old black woman in a position of leadership, they're not used to seeing it. And so instead of taking up his drama with his white, with, with the white men, with the white women even, he turns and looks at you and goes, you know what? You are the agent of white supremacy. You are the reason that I don't have all of the things. Am I really... Am I really the reason that you don't have the things? It's not all this 289 other people. It's me. I am the reason that you don't have the things that you want. Honestly, I try to stay out of black men's business because the moment I talk now, I'd be like, oh, but you're with a white man and you just hate us. Sometimes you need to get yourself the fuck together because I've spoken up for you and in support of you numerous times, more times than time can tell, right? And there just comes a point where you have to just say it like it is. A lot of the misogynoir that we see happening online and in real life are usually perpetuated or propagated by black men. And it's really, really tiring. It's either you're supporting us or you're not. Look at, for instance, the, the, the baby situation and Tory Lanez with Megan The Stallion. How are you, knowing that Tory Lanez shot Megan The Stallion in the foot, bringing him out on stage with you to perform? But again, you see when you have bad vibes, the same way that Max Verstappen had bad vibes and he wanted to go and look for trouble, him and Christian Horner, aka King of Bad Vibes, aka Spiceless Wonder, 
when you go looking for trouble, you fumble your own bag because now you brought him out. You're now having a rant and homophobic, really horrible, vile rant. And what happens? You lose your partnership. You lose your endorsement. You lose your deal with boohoo man. And that's what needs to happen to you. You need to what? Boohoo who, bitch. Cry about it. Cry about it. You homophobic little bitch. That's what you need to do because it's just too much at this point. You don't want to, you'll, you'll say protect black women, listen to black women when it gets you retweets and likes, but how are you actually supporting and, and, and protecting black women and listening to black women in your day-to-day life? Some of you don't actually know how to use it. In fact, I know some black men who would like to jump up and down and be like, oh, me and Kalechi, we chat like da-da-da-da-da. But in conversations, you're not listening because all you ever want to do is dismiss what you're being told. Too many, too many black men that I know, I'll be telling them something that is common sense and I'm trying to give them insight into something. But you know, once they've read one little piece, one article by Bell Hooks, they think that they know one little piece of something they'll want to be talking over you and they'll be dismissing something that is your lived experience, moving like white people in the conversation. It's very mad. It's very, very mad. And so I'm sorry that these people in your workplace um, are the way that they are, especially the white guy think, talking about, you think you're better than us. Yeah, I am. I don't think it. I know it. That's why I'm going. Bye ho. And as for the black man, like, again, if you've got something to say, say it with your chest, lest you choke. All right. Remember that. So that's that for that straw of the week. Thank you for sending that in. My straw of the week goes out to all of the people like Johnson & Johnson and all of the other companies that make these products that cause black women to... that basically submitting or subjecting black women and black women to carcinogens, things that can cause cancer. It's really, really upsetting, especially as somebody that I haven't used um, hair relaxer in probably 10 years. But just knowing that a lot of the elements that we find that we say, oh, this is specific to black people. This is specific to black people. We also don't link it back to racism because again, not everything is about race, but literally it is. If we've been subjected to a particular way of living for centuries, there are certain things that's going to happen in our bodies. That's not going to happen to those who have not been subjected to the same kind of environments and the same kind of treatment. Get Get it together, like get it the fuck together. So I saw this article that was talking about that and that's what I wanted to share. It says here, black women's hair products are killing us. Why isn't more being done? And it was written by Tayo Barrow. It says black women who use lye-based hair relaxers at least seven times a year for 15 or more years have a 30% increased chance of um, risk of breast cancer. A new study reveals that some scientists and researchers, what some scientists and researchers have suspected for years, that frequent and long-term use of lye-based hair relaxers may have serious health effects, including breast cancer. Published in the Oxford University's Carcinogenesis, Carcinogenesis Journal, the study found that black women who use these products at least seven times a year for 15 or more years had a roughly 30% increased chance of developing breast cancer compared with more infrequent users. Now, I know that there are, um, what is it? I know that there are black women who talk about, oh, they only relax their hair twice a year, which is cool. But if you're relaxing your hair twice a year for your whole life, I feel like we're still coming back to the same statistics, right? And I'm not somebody to police what anybody wants to do with their hair, but I understand for me, I can no longer touch that creamy crack. 
You know, I, I knew from all them years ago, from over 10 years ago, that I was just done with all of that stuff. I could not do it to myself. There was just something about it that just felt abusive, like I was abusing myself. Um, and I just didn't want to do it. And now that I'm on my lock journey, this is where I want to be. And if anyone doesn't find me attractive for looking this way or doesn't find, that's on them because everybody knows I'm Peng. Like the real Gs know that I'm Peng. Peng with a hard G at the end. Do you hear me? The real Gs can hear the hard G at the end of Peng. And they'll know that that's me. So I don't need to now be coming and straightening my hair and doing this. And at the fact that at the end of the day, if you really, really wanted to go down that route, there are wigs. There are literally wigs. Uh, but even the sourcing of wigs is another conversation that we need to have if we're talking about human hair and all of that stuff. But again, I'm not trying to police how anybody is doing their things because I know that we just want to have our beautification rituals and to be left alone. Like for centuries, we've had to tolerate fuckery. Just let us enjoy our things for a bit. But if those things are causing you cancer, I would ask you to divest from them immediately. But again, do what you want. And this is why everyone kind of jumped. A lot of people jumped on the natural hair movement, but they didn't want, they couldn't sustain it. And they say that the reason that they couldn't sustain it is because, oh, the hair was too tough to manage and rare tear tear. I don't think that's the case. I just feel like you didn't feel like you were as sexy as all of the other people who are rocking straight, smooth, silky hair. Like tell the truth, because as some people jumped off the natural hair movement wave, went to go and relax their hair, their hair broke off, and they now have to come back to doing the, the whole natural hair thing again. I feel like at, this, at the end of the day, we're going to find maybe in 10 years time that black women, you're going to have to come back to yourselves. You're going to come have to come back to yourselves and see yourselves as you are and celebrate that and understand the true beauty in that. And I'm not saying that on some Empress Hotep shit. I'm really saying that we're going to have to do it because literally all of these products that are being created aren't being created with our well-being in mind. And we need to know that. Um, it says here, the research team also analysed survey data from Boston University's Black Women's Health Study, which followed more than 50,000 women, 50,000 African-American women for more than 25 years and observed their medical diagnoses and any factors that could influence their health. The results? Of the women followed from 1997 to 2017, 95% reported using lye-based hair relaxers and ultimately 2,311 developed breast cancers. This additional risk factor is just one part of a wide race gap in breast cancer rates um, among American women. We already know that black women have the highest occurrence of breast cancer before reaching the age of 40, are more likely than white women to develop highly aggressive breast cancers and are, are more likely to die from it at any age, 40% more likely in, um, to be precise. Um, and when it comes to the role of hair care products in that imbalance, none of this is new. In 2019, research published in the International Journal of Cancer found that permanent dye use, um, permanent dye use was associated with a 45% higher breast cancer risk in black women compared with a roughly 7% higher risk among white women who use these products. So, it says it's important to examine why black women are so overrepresented over in the market for these harmful products to begin with. For centuries, black women in the West have been told that their hair, their skin tone um, was inferior, unprofessional and largely undesirable. Even today, anti-black hair discrimination is rampant in many professional settings, particularly in corporate and customer facing roles. So much so that black advocacy groups and US legislators have been working to pass new laws that would make hair discrimination illegal. So far, however, only 13 states have passed the Crown Act. 
Biased, white-centric beauty standards have led many black women to embrace hair and skin treatments that pose serious risk to their health, often without their knowledge. And despite the abundance of evidence pointing to these risks, corporations and government regulators aren't doing nearly enough to protect the black women who are the main consumers of these products. Um, you can go on, find the Guardian article by Tayo Barrow to read the whole thing. I can't just be reading out their work anyhow. But I just really wanted to share that with you because rather than paraphrasing, I wanted to read that line by line. And it just makes me so sad because we talk about racism as if it's this cloud that kind of hangs over us, not realising that, no, it's the ground upon which we walk. It's the buildings that we live in. If we're even talking about literally about as, asbestos, like who are, who's more likely to live in a building that still has um, asbestos? People who died from asbestos poisoning, um, from the buildings that they lived in. Have we looked at the stats of that? Because you're going to find again, pardon me, race shows up everywhere. And I mean, race slash racism specifically shows up everywhere. And black women were really out here dying to be beautiful, dying to do everything to make ourselves fit um, white centric standards that were constructed in, like they were constructed with the intention of leaving us out. And whenever I say this, people are like, well, what do you want us to do then? Because I want my lashes. I want this. I want that. Fam, I don't have the answers. And I haven't come here to berate you, um, even though I don't have the answers. I'm just saying that it's something that we need to think about, even if it's making one less choice. Like, as soon as I read this article, I hollered at my mum and I was like, you and your hair dye, you need to allow it. You need to allow it or go use henna or use something else. But all of this stuff that you're doing for what? Who are you trying to have black hair for? And this is one of the things, like... I'm getting quite a few grey hairs. A baby girl is going to be 35, um, just round the corner. Um, right, like, I'm getting grey hairs. And people look at that. Or people haven't said anything, really. But, you know, sometimes you see people glance at it and it's like, oh, are you going to do anything? If I go hairdressers, are you going to do anything to it? No, no, the fuck I'm not. It's a grey hair. What? Do, why Why am I going to touch it? Well, for, for who and for what? Baby, I'm sexy. I'm sexy. I told you I'm Pengu with a hard G. Like, please, I'm not doing anything. Leave me alone. I'm going to live my life. It's not because of grey hair that I'll literally come and die. Leave me alone. So, um, you know, I just want us at the same time to offer as much support as we can to people who are experiencing um, you know, um, you know, dealing with breast cancer and things like that. And I know that I've mentioned on the podcast before initiatives that are focused around black um, women who are um, who are dealing with breast cancer. So, yeah, but as much as possible, we need to divest from the from these beauty ideals that that leave us suffering at the end of it. Like find the things that are in, as natural as possible if you can, even if you insist on having these same results. But, you know, just see what you can do because this is fucked. And all the um, sh shops that stock the and this and all the organisations that make money off this sort of stuff, I really want you to suck your mothers for eternity and I want you to choke. I want you to choke on those lie base re and relaxers because all you've done is lie, lie, lie. Anyway, so that's what I want for you. And then I saw um, Johnson & Johnson, who we know have been mad from early. Um, any of you who've gone to take their vaccine, all I can say is, you know, Godspeed and all of that. 
Um, it says here, um, pharmaceutical giant Johnson & Johnson marketed its talcum-based powder products specifically to black women, despite evidence showing the products cause cancer, a new lawsuit alleges. The complaint filed by the National Council of Negro Women asserts that the New Jersey-based drug company made black women a central part of its business strategy, but failed to warn them about the potential dangers of the powder products it was selling. So before I even go any further, look at what I'm saying there about the racism they wouldn't dare to go and try that with the white people they wouldn't dare to go and try that with the white mothers but they kept marketing it to black women because it was just like oh we recognize that brand think about how many times i can even think about how many times as a child my mum would come and douse me in um talcum powder because johnson and johnson was the way to go meanwhile johnson and johnson is out here allegedly targeting black women allegedly then giving us cancers to be dealing with burning hell allegedly um, it says here, generations of black women believed them and made it our daily practice to use their products in ways that put us at risk of cancer. And we taught our daughters to do the same. Shame on Johnson and Johnson. The lawsuit is um, the latest in a wave of litigation against Johnson and Johnson over allegations that its talcum products such as baby powder, have caused users to develop illnesses, including ovarian cancer and mesothelioma. Mesothelioma, that's it. All my doctors and medical students who are listening, they're like, Ansi, don't break your teeth. Don't break your mouth, please. Um, the company is facing more than 25,000 lawsuits related to the products and has set aside nearly $4 billion to fight the legal battles. That won't be enough. People will deal with you. <laughs> Johnson & Johnson has long maintained that its talcum-based products are safe and do not cause cancer. Last year, following a string of costly legal settlements, it stopped selling talcum products in the US and Canada. And I wonder if they're still selling it in Nigeria, because that's the thing that a lot of these companies do. When they get caught out over here, they'll now still go and give their fuckery over to the people in Africa. Um, it says here... Um, the company denied the allegation that it singled out black women as part of a marketing campaign driven by bad intentions. The accusations being made against our company are false and the idea that our company would purposefully and systematically target a community with bad intentions is unreasonable and absurd. Is it? Is it? When we know that um, neighbourhoods in America were flooded with crack by by the government? What are you talking about? What do you mean? What are you, what are you saying? Anyway... According to the lawsuit, an internal presentation from 2006 suggested that Johnson & Johnson marketed its powder products, which had been lagging in sales towards high propensity cost customers, such as black women. Data showed that 60% of black women were using baby powder at that time, compared to the just 30% of the overall population. Johnson & Johnson later hired a firm that handed out 100,000 gift bags containing powder products at churches and other locations in Chicago, launched a radio campaign in the southern US targeting curvy southern women and considered signing Patti LaBelle or Aretha Franklin as a spokesperson among other efforts the suit says so whoever would have um, put this together clearly had access to their marketing materials probably even worked at the company and saw everything that was happening there so you can't come and lie that that isn't what you were doing and I brought those things two things up together to show you how um, the cosmetics industry 
treats black women like an afterthought. We know that Rihanna came out with Fenty and now the girls have their things and they have Trophy Wife and they have all of their things there. But we really have to really sit down and think about the products that we're applying to our bodies, especially when we know that people are like, oh, you know what? Black women are disposable. They can have that. They can get the fuck on with it. We've got to be more careful. And as for Johnson & Johnson, go and suck your mum forever and ever. Okay, Johnson & Johnson, forever and ever. Um, And final, final straw of the week before I leave up at this place, I've just got to say a massive, 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 oh, a heartfelt suck your mum to a motherfucker known as Piers Morgan because that shirt collar is getting ever tighter and you're moving ever madder and I don't get it. Simone Biles decided that for the, what was best for her mental health was for her to step out of, um, you know, the team gymnastics um, competition um, at the Olympics. And I think she stepped out of some um, individual performances too, because she just literally said, my mental health is not in a great place. I just can't do it. And I'm not going to put myself in danger. I'm not going to put my team in danger. It's just best that I leave it. And I, and I want to make sure that my team have the best chance of winning. I don't now want to bring down the scores for everybody. So let me just move. And meanwhile, she's been practicing. They found a gym for her to practice at while she's still in Tokyo. So let's see what comes of it. But even when she posted a video um, of her trying to do something on the bars, I think. And even then, like her mind's not there. You can see it. And she falls off, but landed on like lots of cushioning. This idiot, Piers Morgan, now comes out and, of course, he's trying to, like, get everybody riled up because he's like, well, I'm going to write something about Simone Biles and the woke brigade are not going to like it or whatever the hell he said. And it's like, you're intentionally, again, antagonising black people. While Johnson & Johnson and all of them, man, there are trying to kill us with their products, you're out here trying to kill us with stress um, with all the all the fuckery that you're doing, basically saying that Simone Biles is show is 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 showing weakness. Like, what what's with all of these youngsters and not being able to handle the stress of competitions? But fam, you had to walk off a TV show because you were just being asked simple ABC questions that you could not answer. You and your shirt collar had to waddle off and leave because you couldn't handle it, looking like an idiot, looking like an upside down pear. And then you're you're talking about oh well, you know. Um, they're, that's just a sign of weakness and they're doing the most, always bringing up mental health. Meanwhile, when a white man now turns around who's a cricketer and goes, my mental health is struggling, so I'm going to take a break. Oh, his is different because people are really looking at you. What are you going to say when it's a white man? Oh, his is different because he's not in competition time. And that just goes to show how much you know about mental illnesses and mental health, you stupid bitch. Because you seem to think that people can, can control when they're going to have a breakdown or when they're going to have an episode episode or when they're going to need time out people can't control that that's the point but when they realize that it's happening before it gets worse they're they're stepping back and these amazing athletes don't have to perform because you want them to slave master they don't have to do it because you want them to keep swinging up and down or swinging their tennis racket they can choose if they want to to back off but i don't see you giving the same energy again to white men to white women you don't have it like that it's always these black girls these biracial um, and women on people that you have the most to speak on and there has to be something that can be done about piers morgan there has to be a collective boycotting or silencing i don't mean like in a physical sense of like um you know um doing anything to him but really the platforms that he gets all of his traction from people just have to find a way to not interact with him or find a way to get me to be able to speak to him 
because I know I've always said I don't want to chat to him and I'm not speaking to him on any TV platform. But one day I feel like I'm going to have to cuss this guy on national TV just to end it there because he hasn't been cussed in the way that he needs to be cussed. Yes, I know he's spoken with Dr. Shola. For me, they just go back and forth and they like that banter with each other because she's been going on that show over and over. But I know that she's told him about himself a few times. But the way that I'll tell him about himself, he'll never want to see me again for the rest of his life right? But it needs to be done because it's actually disgusting now. Like people not taking the mental health of black women seriously. Like, oh no, how dare you? You're just making it up. You're a strong black woman. You should be able to continue. What do you mean you're having a a mental health episode? Get on with it. That's how we're already treated in day-to-day life. And you lot are trying to do that to the most talented gymnast of all time when she's just like, I know my body and I know I need to, you know, back off now. What more can she do? Even if Simone decided tomorrow I'm retiring, fam, she left being able to do moves that you said was had to be illegal because you know that the other um, girls would literally kill themselves. They would die if they attempted to do the same moves. She's done everything she needs to do. Most decorated gymnast ever. So what now? And she's saying she's tired. You don't think she deserves to be tired of all the things that she's gone through, especially when she spoke out about the abuse that she'd been getting from her coach and all of those things. Or was it the team doctor? She spoke about all of these things. She's working through trauma while being excellent. But the thing is, you can't achieve your way out of trauma. You've got to give the the girl time to breathe. And, you know, it caught up with her and her body's just like, I'm not going to do this now because I need to chill out. Instead of, you know, most people getting behind her and supporting her, you're seeing men, mainly men tweeting things like, oh, well, Michael Jordan would have never done that. Well, Michael Jordan did, you stupid bitch. That also goes to show how much you actually know about sports. But making all of these comparisons, leave her alone. It doesn't matter if anyone hasn't done it before me. If I'm saying I'm tired and I'm going to back out in the middle of the Olympics, then that's exactly the fuck what I'm going to do. And nobody's going to tell me any different. And if you have a problem with that, you can go and suck your mother under the deepest ocean. All right. Bubble, 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 bubble. That's what you need to go and do. Piss off. Anyway, that's that for this week's episode of SYM. I've been Kalechi for This has been SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What? That's right, Suck Your Mum. So thank you, baby girls, baby boys, and baby non-binaries for tuning in. Remember, if you want to send your letter, send it to sym at kalechiokafor.com. That's including your voice notes as well. Please try to keep it to a minute, tops two minutes. Don't want to see no four-minute things. Um... And yeah, you can support the podcast on patreon.com forward slash Kelechi Okafor. And that's where you'll actually hear if I have slots available for one-to-one tarot readings. You can follow me on at Kelechi or at Say Your Mind Pod. Thanks to Skillshare. Thank you, ExpressVPN, for sponsoring this episode. And thank you to Pam Aculi for speaking with me about Just Like Me books. All right, that's that. Speak to you later. Peace. It's the Ben's Brunani woman is Baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this Baby sit down, sit down, receive this realness Make sure your cup's ready for the tea we are gonna sip it, yo Hard time scrolling for your long shorts You might learn something you never know let you find, and she's one of a kind Don't say you mind, say you mind